Broadcasting across the world, this is Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. And you are listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje, broadcasting from Caritas of Birmingham in Alabama. Today's broadcast, a friend of Medjugorje will be speaking to us about the 25th message. Normally he broadcasts on the 25th of the month, and we had a wedding here in the community, which took place on February the 25th. And we know that many of you have been waiting anxiously to hear what a friend of Medjugorje has to say about this very important message that we received a few days ago. And so tonight he will be speaking to us about this message. And so here is a friend of Medjugorje. The February 25th message is alarming because in reality things are unfolding in the present that lay speaks to us directly. Back on May 23rd in 2011, I released 30 years of apparitions. In that writing, I asked four questions. Do you not wonder why Our Lady has been coming to us for 30 years? And then I asked, why so long? And then why so many messages? And then what is Our Lady's purpose? One month later, Ivan said, quote, These apparitions of Our Lady are a great crossroads, meaning for mankind. He continued, he said, A new call, a new way, a new future for mankind. And that's what Maria got from Our Lady. The message we just received, Our Lady speaks about a future here in 2022, saying you don't have a future. But Our Lady's here for this. Yvonne continues, But how, where are we about these messages? Do they go to our hearts? Do we live them? He says, For 30 years we have had a message, you could say, each day from Our Lady, can we live these messages in one lifetime? Yvonne continues, For a few years... We had a messages every Thursday, and then we had a message once a month. Why is that? He says, Our Lady was giving us more time to understand each message. It is important to use this time well, to live the messages. And then Ivan speaks about the future. He says, Many pilgrims, even priests, don't understand why Our Lady has come in every day. What she can be saying to me every day and what I have to say to her every day. I have to tell you, we talk a lot. One day, when things are revealed, you will understand. Your eyes will be open. When we see the physical changes that will happen in the world, we will understand why she's come every day. I remember Yvonne saying that. And in reality, it was a striking statement. Ivan talks about the physical changes. He says, quote, I am not talking about the secrets. And rather, he says, the time before us is one of the great responsibility. So that's 2011. And how responsible have we been since that time? The clock is ticking. We're headed to our destiny. A good one or a bad one? Our ladies had to come to 40 years to train us, to teach us, 
to walk hand in hand with her. And now, even as words of physical changes will happen in the world, we see it. But if you've been following the messages, you would have seen it long ago. With everything falling apart, I let it come in the midst of what's happening, and she speaks to us, to the world. Our Ladies, February 25th, 2022, Monthly Message to the World. Dear children, I am with you, and we pray together. Help me with prayer, little children, that Satan may not prevail. His power of death, hatred, and fear has visited the earth. Therefore, little children, return to God and to prayer, to fasting and to renunciation for all those who are downtrodden, poor, and have no voice in this world without God. Little children, if you do not return to God and His commandments, you do not have a future. That is why He sent me to you to guide you. Thank you for having responded to my call. So we're in the midst of Russia and Ukraine, a war of which is difficult to understand and somewhat a mystery. Many people think there's something going on more so than just Russia attacking the Ukraine. In 1981, the Cold War was still going between the United States and the Soviet Union. Ronald Reagan came along and his policies with Gorbachev, and at that time the United States found out that the Soviet Union was building a big underground city in case of nuclear attack. So things were escalating. And Ronald Reagan refused to continue detente. Detente, of course, was about negotiation to reduce the nuclear warheads. Reagan did the other opposite. He escalated it which in the end brought peace to both nations. In the middle of all that was Our Lady Queen of Peace, appearing daily in Yugoslavia. Mariana had asked for a sign from Her Lady, and what Our Lady gave her was her watch was going backwards. And I prayed for years for that. I didn't understand what that sign meant. We had entered into a period, for the first time in the history of the world, there was capability to destroy the world through nuclear war. Ivan said that the world would have destroyed itself if Our Lady had not come. So in 1981, the world had run out of time. And I come to understand that Mariana's watch went backwards because there was no time. Our Lady speaking to God, to her son, let me go down there. And you can see and reason out, God says no. The time is to do something. Divine intervention. And I said, please let me go down. And at that time, in the museum in New York, they were displaying as art a jar of pig urine with the crucifix upside down in it. Nobody did anything about it. The bishops don't go to the streets and call out the diocese and go out there and tear that out. No, we did nothing, just silence. And you can see God saying, look at my son, what they're doing to that. There's no more time. And so I realized 
the small little sign was really a great thing because Our Lady says in backup time, what was supposed to happen didn't happen because Our Lady came. And that's why Evine said, had Our Lady not come to the world, it would have destroyed itself because time was up. So we go 40 years. The threat to the world went away. Miraculous events through the 1980s. Maria had a phone call one day and said, this is the White House and the president wants to talk to you. She hung up. They called back, said the same thing, and Maria hung up again. And the third time, her friend, Kathleen, answered it. And they said, don't hang up. And it was President Reagan. A diplomat had gone to Medjugorje, met Maria, told Reagan about it, and he wanted to talk to Maria. And they had a conversation. Maria's talked to me about this before. And he wrote her a letter, and she wrote him a letter. When he later met with Gorbachev, he pulled out the letter. He showed it to Gorbachev. He says, the Virgin Mary is appearing in Yugoslavia for peace, and that's what I'm here for. So these two men became friends. How do you go from enemies and respect to friends? So our lady here, she suspended time from 1981 to now. So she sliced out that time, go backwards, because none of these things should have happened except her intercession. And that's now we can understand why Ivan said, as she didn't come, the world were destroyed. So 40 years has been sliced out of the future to the present of where we are now. Now we are back at the clock in 1981. Last night, Putin put, for the first time ever, any nation has done it, on the highest level for nuclear war. Maybe he's bluffing. It's part of his strategy. But what this says to us, it speaks to us, it yells to us that in 1981 that was happening. We were on the verge of all that. A lady wiped it out to the 80s, to the 90s, to the teens, now to the 20. 40 years. And now we're back where we were. We're reverting back to a mortal danger of extension. I'm not going by the news. I'm going by the message that Satan may prevail. His power of death, hatred, and fear has visited the earth. Return to God. I'm running out of time, she's saying. That's what these words say. She didn't say that, but you can see it. You have to do this now. You have to fast. You have to renunciation. Many of the people of the world have no voice. Our shepherds are quiet, and they have not guided us to safe harbor. And the lady says, that is why he sent me to guide you. If they're doing what they're supposed to do, there will be no Virgin Mary here. The temperature of the earth and mankind, you're on a road that you have no future. So let's turn the clock back 40 years now back to the threats that we had back then, that now we have. That is in front of us. But the difference from 40 years ago compared today is we got the messages. We've been praying for 40 years. We've been fasting. We have all these things, this ornament of how to battle this. And that's why it says, I'm with you, and we pray together. Help me with prayer. She didn't have her little children with her. She didn't have the apostles that she can call on for the fasting and the renunciation. So there was a suspension for 40 years. 
but we're at the beginning of this satanic thing, this diabolical situation. So I'm going to cut in right here because a friend of Medjugorje has such long history with Medjugorje. He was involved before the Balkan War. He was there seeing the events taking place in real time. And it's amazing to us who've lived this with him to see the connections that Our Lady has repeatedly made out of the blue without any effort on his part. They're bringing people to him or leading him to people that end up being significant players in the events as they're unfolding in Medjugorje. And there's an incredible story that a friend of Medjugorje is involved in in regards to the Ukraine. And I think a lot of you would be interested to hear what happened. This took place, I believe, back in the early 90s when Gorbachev was just opening up the Soviet Union to allowing more freedoms to his people, particularly religious freedoms. So there was a professor from NASA who lives in Huntsville, Alabama, which is about two hours from here. He actually came here looking for our founder, who he had never met before. And in this meeting, we learned that this professor had been invited to come into the Soviet Union to teach at the universities there. And in the midst of him coming and going, it's because it began this relationship. Uh, He was amongst many others around the country that was being invited in this way. He met an Orthodox bishop who had a Caritas newsletter in his hand. And he said to this professor, you live in Alabama. Do you know this person? And this professor is not Catholic. I don't know how religious he was, but he saw the newsletter and he said, no, I don't know him. And the Orthodox bishop said to him, I want to invite this person to come to to Russia. So the professor learned that this bishop was in exile, hiding. And he was very excited to have this invitation for a friend of Medjugorje to come and speak to his church, to his people about Our Lady Medjugorje. And it was amazing to our founder because there's no way to get religious information into Russia, into the Soviet Union. There's no way that he could have gotten this newsletter except that somebody had smuggled it to him in some way or other. So we're all really moved by that. And although a friend of Medjugorje wasn't real excited to go on this trip. He felt that Our Lady would want him to do this. So he did make arrangements through this professor, and he wanted to go to stay with Maria in her home in Italy before he went on this trip because he wanted the blessing of Our Lady. So he went there for a few days. He went and bought a Russian icon of Our Lady and many miraculous medals, and he brought them to Our Lady in the apparition, asking Maria to ask Our Lady to bless these for the Ukrainian people and to bless his trip, to protect him, and to allow great fruit to come from it, which Maria promised that she would be praying for him during these days that he would be there and intercede for Our Lady for all of these intentions. So when he flew into Moscow first, so when a friend of Medjugorje got off the plane, 
there was two priests to come to get him, but then there were actually two groups of people that began to argue with each other about who was going to take a friend of Medjugorje and be kind of in charge of him. And it got to be very aggressively fighting over him, which made him very uncomfortable. And then they put it on him to choose who he was going to go with. And he realized that to choose either way was not going to go good for him. So he said, no, you decide. You decide who I go with. So they argued more, and finally one of them won out over the other. So you had to have visas to go into the Ukraine. You had to have visas to go into the Soviet Union. And the friend of Medjugorje only had a visa to get into Russia, into Moscow. They wanted to take him into the Ukraine immediately. And he didn't realize that that was the destination they were heading for. He didn't have any official documents to say he could go into there. Yet they were saying, it's not a problem. We can get you through. We'll get you through the border. Just trust us. Just go with us. And that did not make him feel comfortable, but they were so insistent and made him feel like this is really not a problem that he went. And they went on a train. The trains were from pre-World War II, very old, very dirty, very ominous, nothing luxurious about them at all. And he, Fred Medjugorje said when he first stepped foot inside the train, he immediately felt that he did not like this, that he felt an oppression, a darkness. The people on the trains themselves were, there was no joy. There was just, and he, he really felt that the spirits of the people that rode these trains and he knew that, and maybe a friend of Medjugorje can explain himself what that was like to be on these trains heading into the Ukraine where he had no papers and there were guards on the train that were ready to look at everybody's papers as the train began to move. There was a spirit on the trains. You could feel it, a really diabolical sense of it. And so this priest was with me. He says, you be quiet, don't say anything, and you pretend you're a bishop. <laughs> but don't talk. I'll do the talking. Just priest say this. So he goes into a place where there's a bunk, and there's another guy on top of the bunk. He says, I'm going to leave you right here, and don't talk to the guy above you, and don't say anything. You just lay down. So I lay down in the bed. He lives, the priest does, and in a couple of minutes, this guy's upside down looking at me over the top bunk, and he starts talking to me in Russian. And he keeps asking me questions, and I'm silent. He, and so he keeps asking me questions. And finally, I says, I don't speak Russian. So he, this guy left and went out. And I don't know where the priest is. And to get there, we had to go outside the train. From one car to the next, you know, you'd be outside. Then you go back inside the next car. So finally, the priest comes back, and I hear him fussing with somebody outside. So they're arguing. And it got really loud. And after a couple of minutes, this priest opens the doors. He just follow me now. You got to come with me now. So we go like four or five cars. It's like a movie. And you're going through there and you hear the, the train. You're outside. Then you're back in the next car and the next car and the next car. And he brings me to this, this other car where there's people laying in his boards, little bunks, just big enough for your body to be in there. So he says, you lay up there and you face the wall until I come back to get you. Riding on that train for several hours on that board was very uncomfortable. 
But more than that, you just felt in your heart just a dark spirit. And it was a darkness, hard to describe if you never something you never felt before. I know I'd been with Our Lady every day, and so I wasn't scared or, or afraid, but I was very concerned when I'd be able to go back home because there were still bad things the Russians did. So finally, the priest comes back, and remember, you're the bishop, and I'll do the talking. That was uncomfortable because, you know, you ask a question about it, and you've got to be mute. Actually, when they talked in Russian to somebody or guard, he was talking to him and asked him what he said. He said, I was telling him, I'm your secretary. <laughs> so anyway, we get to the Ukraine, and we get off, and then we go for five hours walking. The people I saw looked like walking dead people. There was one man is frozen in my memory. He comes out of a latrine. The latrine where the bathroom is just a hole in the ground. And it's open where you can see in there, everybody there. As we was walking on a dirt road, as this man came out, his eyes and I met, we met. And I just saw death, just a, a living dead. So as I walked and walked and walked, we went through these row houses with kind of pickets. Everything was dilapidated. And when I got there, the bishop that was in exile, you thought I'd be the president of the United States of America. They were so overjoyed, so happy. And so we talked for a few minutes, and I pulled out the icon, explained that I was with Maria in Italy. Our Lady knew I was coming here for the Ukraine. And I asked Maria to do a special blessing that this icon had something to help the Ukraine. When I gave this to him, you would have thought I just gave him a billion dollars of gold. They were ecstatic. And for the next whole day, they prayed and sang in front of this icon for the Ukraine. And remember, Russia has not broken up yet. They're still communists, everything going with that. I was comfortable there. They questioned me about everything, about life in America, where you came from, all your background. They were treating me like royalty. And I told them about Aleda Medjugorje, what she's here for, why she's here, what's taking place. There's probably 100 people there, at least, in this one packed area. I mean, they all wanted to touch me. It really gave me a reality what it means to be an American and how precious it is and how people long to be for that. I mean, I'm nothing, but I think everybody there touched me on my shoulder, wanted to shake my hand, wanted just to ask me questions. And I felt so bad for these people. So I spent the day and then another day there. Somehow they arranged for me to have transportation with somebody who had a car. And so they drove me back to Moscow. So when we got there, I had a few hours to go before catching the plane. So I said, I'd like to see Red Square. So we went there. The priest was telling me when they were going to school, wherever you're in Russia, you would say, your father is alive. He's talking about Lenin. You can go see him at Red Square. He's your father. He lives. So they took me to his tomb. I still had a handful of miraculous medals blessed by a lady just a few days before that during a lady's apparition. So we go into the tomb. There's guards. Lenin died in 1924. And they keep his body like he's alive. He's down in his pit, and you walk out above him all the way around, and there's guards all the way around there. So as I go in, the, the two priests are following me. We walk real slow, and there was a strange smell in there. And so I pulled out of my pocket some 
there was a wall that's waist high. You walk around it, and then you exit on the other side. As I walked, I started putting every three or four feet, I put American metal on this marble wall right in front of the guards. The priests behind me are totally silent. They're watching the whole thing. And I put some in the pit, let them drop, and I go all around just like that. And I probably put 20 of them in the whole mausoleum. When I walked out, these two priests went crazy. They started jumping up and down, screaming and laughing. We can't believe you did that. They were so happy. They were like shocked by it. In retrospect, that was not a good move because you would go jail quickly. For there, we walked back behind the mausoleum. There's Khrushchev's grave, Brezhnev's grave, and I think Stalin was others. And I put more miraculous medals on their graves. And these bishops were like beside themselves. They were like blown away. So there's a lot of stories that ladies put me in a position to help me understand the messages. If you look at Israel, something happened in history. Consecrations or dedicating things moves heaven. 30 days after doing that, with the blessed miraculous medals, they pulled all the honor guards out of Lenin's mausoleum. And that date was October 7th, 1993, Feast of the Holy Rosary. These medals were blessed. He's been there laying there since 1924, or whenever they built them up after his death. There never has not been guards there, 24-7, month after month, year after year. Within 30 days, they pulled the guards out. It was big news, huge news. When I consecrated the tree in the field for God, that opens the door for a lady to come here and do what she did. And if you look at places, you'll find things that happen, something in history, open heaven to have the ability to do that because heaven works with people on earth. So the consecrations bring something maybe a century or two centuries or a month away. It was the priest who contacted me and told me what happened there. And they knew that, and they know why. Before Our Lady came here in the apparitions in 1988, a friend of Medjugorje was inspired to consecrate the tree in the field, not even realizing that Our Lady would appear there. But he came to understand that God cannot act or prefers to act after a consecration or something that would mark that spot for God in some way or other. And so this action of a friend of Medjugorje that took place in Moscow by Lenin's grave marked that spot that God could act. And then you see it happen. This is just one of these stories. I mean, we have so much history with the friend of Medjugorje. It's just like what Our Lady said in her October 25, 2015 message when she said, you are unrepeatable and irreplaceable. She can't, at this late date, in the Medjugorje plan for the salvation of the world, just bring somebody up into a particular place. She has invested so much time, experiences, apparitions, messages, writings in a friend of Medjugorje. He has spanned almost completely the time of the apparitions, but again, not as a bystander, not as somebody looking out and from in, but is somebody who is a witness to these events that coincide with what Our Lady is doing in Medjugorje. These are trying years, difficulties, persecutions, suffering, but also joys and beautiful things and how much time 
our lady invested showing the way to go to walk, asking for the community to be established, and it goes on and on. But there's one thing and one song, I don't care where you go in the world, I've heard it on the island of Patmos, I've heard it in Croatia, this song I'm talking about is Sweet Home Alabama. It's so popular around the world. We went to that prayer split when it was still communist. They were checking the suitcase. He saw the label Alabama. And the guard turns to me and starts singing, Sweet Home Alabama. And he let me go because I was smuggling some things in the suitcase that I didn't want him to see. He just let me go. But I'm saying this only because there's another song that I would compare to that across all of Europe. When Things Fell Apart for Russia is a really awesome song. And I've got a lot of memories listening to people hearing it in the cars in Medjugorje, other places in Europe. And it's appropriate for the situation right now to hear the words of this song.
Into the face of time Like a storm wind Then we ring the freedom bell For peace of mind Playing your mother like I sing What my guitar wants to hear this song, I smell Medjugorje. All the memories, love, persecution, the supernatural, prayer groups up on the mountain, a surreal time. Our Lady of the Wind, Our Lady of Change, a strong wind. It's an inspired song, and everybody became brothers. So many stories, so many experiences, that when you follow Our Lady, She'll give you a history with her. She wants you to walk with her. And to understand this message, of February 25th, the most important words of this message is to return to God. To do that, she says, prayer, fasting, and renunciation. And she says later, if you do not return to God, you do not have a future. But to have a future, she says, there's two things you have to do. You have to return to God and his commandments. So putting that together, if you do not return to God and his commandments, you do not have a future. You say, I keep the commandments. I believe in the commandments. Let me tell you something. Very strongly, very clearly. If you steal something, then you go to confession, you're returning back to the commandments. If you use God's name in vain and you go to confession, you're returning to the commandments. If you slander somebody's reputation, the Bible relays to us, that's like murder. That shall not kill. And you go to confession, you're coming back to the commandments. If you disdain your neighbor and you realize you sinned and you broke a commandment, you go to confession, you're coming back to the commandments. What point am I making right now? The point I'm making is, is everybody breaks commandments. And most Christians confess those sins. So when a lady is saying here, return to his commandments to have a future, and if you don't, you don't have a future, that we have to understand, the book of James says, if you break one commandment, you break them all. Or friend of Medjugorje, you just said, just go to confession. 
There's one commandment that is violated by all of Christendom. Almost nobody is keeping that commandment. And so you don't have a future. The most devastating damage to the world today, why everything's falling apart, is one commandment that almost nobody goes to confession about it because they don't accept it. It's rejected. One of the ten commandments is rejected by almost every Christian, even the bishops, even the cardinals, even people who think they're holy. It's a commandment, and you reject it. And don't think things are going to get better until you start living it. You know what the commandment is? Is thy shall keep the Sabbath holy. What's the big deal about that? The Bible says you're not supposed to work on that day, even for the harvest. I got to go do the hay in the field. Or I got to do this and do that. Rain's going to happen on Monday, so Sunday I got to go harvest. It's a commandment. And all of the world and all the things that's happened in our nation is because we do not honor that. We don't keep it, and we got to return to it. You say, well, I'm not working. Well, what if you have an employee and you're making him work? Well, I'm not doing that. Really? Be honest with yourself. Quit lying to yourself. You go to a restaurant, you pay for the waiter. You pay for your food. They're back there cooking it. You are violating the Sabbath. Oh, friend of Medjugorje, that's scrupulous. You think so? Just keep going that way because you have no future. One of the biggest things we did here is started protecting the Sabbath, not going out anywhere. If we had to travel to church, we didn't get gasoline on Sunday. We started filling up on Saturday. I want you all order the whole teaching about this. If you want your life to get back to where it needs to be to and to be blessed, you order the book, Look What Happened While You Were Sleeping. This whole book starts off about the Sabbath, and you can't refute it. After you read it, you're going to be convicted or either going to reject it. You're either going to turn away from God or turn to God. Because you can't return to God if you don't return to the commandments. I'm telling you, this is what's wrong with the world today. That one simple thing, because it's the easiest one. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to kill somebody. I'm not going to covet my neighbor's goods. But what's the big deal about Sunday? It's a big deal. And if you don't change it, you are cursed. I'm telling you that. And I say that infallibly. There is no excuse. You have to return to that. If you can't afford this book, look what happened when you sleeping, we'll give it to you free. But you got to read that. And I tell you what, you'll be convicted. And if you start living by it, you're going to be surprised what happens with your life. The families aren't going to get fixed. The villages aren't going to get fixed. The nations aren't going to get fixed until we go back to that one commandment. Because the others we can do. We know it's wrong and we confess that. You start going to confession and confess that sin your whole lifetime. And if you break it, you got to be seriously about stopping it. You have to confess it. You do it with all the other commandments. And if your priest says, oh, it's no big deal, just tell him back. You're on the side of the devil. That's bad advice. I'm not taking it. I sin, Father. Give me absolution for it. 
Well, I end with these words of Our Lady about the commandments. You do not have a future. And she says about the commandments, why you don't have a future. That is why he sent me to guide you. Call in. Get the book. Look what happened while you're sleeping. Because it's going to wake you up. And it's going to give you resurrection. With that, I want to be severe with you, out of love, for your good and for your future. I wish you a lady. I love you. Good night. This ends the Radio Wave broadcast with a friend of Medjugorje. These broadcasts are available as CDs, which are sent directly to your doorstep on a monthly subscription. For information, contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000.